Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jack Market. Jack Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for the NBA, PGA, and the NFL. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. A look at Thursday night's battle for Ohio, and a look ahead to the likely fantasy game of the week on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome into this episode of Fantasy Football in 15 for Thursday, September 17th, week two. Kicking off tonight with the Browns and the Bengals, I am Michael Beller, I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR, getting ready for week two. How you doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to getting back at it again this weekend. I got a little break before we get to our Sunday show, the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet, but looking forward to uh, having a big week in DFS in particular. It was kind of a mediocre week one, but I'm going to bounce back. Yeah, you go right back on the horse here in week two. That's the way we do it in the fantasy football world. That's maybe the way that uh, some of these players are going to do it this week, and we'll talk about that. But we are going to start this show with a look at the Thursday night game between the Browns and the Bengals. We have some injury news that we want to discuss. Jarvis Landry is questionable with the hip injury for Thursday night. This is the same hip issue that he's been dealing with for a while. Now had surgery in the offseason, dealt with it all summer. Uh, It's probably going to be a situation where we see a lot of questionable tags and little practice for Jarvis Landry during the week, and then he goes out there and plays for the Browns on Sunday mostly, but this week on Thursday. How do you feel about Jarvis Landry? Where do you slot him? Assume that he is going to be able to give it a go against the Bengals tonight. I think he's pretty firmly in the wide receiver three range. I think we do have to worry about limited snap counts, slightly reduced target volumes. you got to look at the game script and kind of figure out, are the Browns going to be in a high-volume situation for their passing game, or could they actually be in a position to run it a lot? And they're six-point home favorites in this matchup against Cincinnati. The line was eight and a half, but if, you, if you're buying the six-point line, that's a situation where you see more Nick Chubb and more Kareem Hunt and a little less of this passing game. So I think he's startable. I think the fact that he went from no participation on Tuesday to limited participation on Wednesday is enough for me to say that he's going to play and probably play his usual complement of snaps, but that might be modified as part of the bigger plan as a result of how this matchup plays out. Yeah, I think you think about Landry basically the same way you always think about Landry, like you said, in that wide receiver three range. In general, if he starts for you, there's no reason to be concerned about him in this game tonight. That is, of course, assuming he gets the thumbs up. Now, you do mention the fact that this game, if it plays to script, if it plays to that six-point line with the Browns uh, being able to hold off the Bengals, that maybe it'll be something that is good for Nick Chubb and good for uh, for, good for Kareem Hunt and uh, something else that's going to be good for those two guys. Bengals are going to be without two big guys up front. Geno Atkins, he missed week one against the Chargers. He is missing week two. And Mike Daniels, one of his big line mates up front, also going to be out this week. That is two of the best, if not the two best, run stuffers on this Cincinnati line that are going to be out. That is definitely 
good news for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You were already starting both of them anyways, but feeling even better about their prospects with Adkins and Daniels going to be out for this game. Some good news for the San Francisco 49ers. George Kittle expected to play on Sunday against the Jets, dealing with a knee injury, but team already on Wednesday after practice saying that they feel pretty good about his ability to give it a go on Sunday. So again, a guy who will be in there for the 49ers and will be in there for fantasy owners. On the other side of this game, the absolutely ageless Frank Gore is going to get a start in 2020. I saw it put into good context yesterday by our pal Chris Liss. He said this would be like if Dalvin Cook gets a start in a game in 2032, and that is exactly what it would be like. (laughs) Dalvin Cook would be 37 years old in 2032 starting a football game. That's what we have with Frank Gore starting this game against the 49ers. What do you need to see, Derek, from Frank Gore or any other Jets back to be even mildly interested in them while Le'Veon Bell is out with his hamstring injury? Uh, Adam Gaze to be hurled into the sun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, more realistically, I, I just think I want to see the Jets' offensive line play well. I want to see just consistency from the offense moving the ball. I, I think they had a, a pretty tough week one assignment. But if this team's going to be better, it starts up front. And there were changes to the offensive line. Let's see if they can actually get something going. It's another tough test this week, though, against San Francisco. I mean, the expectation for Gore has to be 15 carries max, probably not much of a role in the passing game. Is that a a fair place to set the workload bar? I think that's definitely a fair place to set the workload, and we'll see what happens with LaMichael Pirine. He was inactive last week, could be this week. Josh Adams was brought up from the practice squad before last week's game, and he actually ended up scoring a touchdown. Uh, But I think that's a fair expectation, and I do think that the realistic answer is we're probably not going to be interested in any Jets running back in the fantasy world, unless we're talking, I think you probably have to get to a 16-team or deeper league before you're really thinking about a Jets running back until Le'Veon Bell comes back. But still, hats off to Frank Gore, 37 years old, and he is starting an NFL game at the running back position. Just absolutely an Iron Man, Frank Gore now with the Jets. Uh, Some big wide receiver injuries that we've got to talk about. All these guys limited in practice uh, on Wednesday. Julio Jones with a hamstring. Devontae Parker, also a hamstring. Kenny Galladay, also a hamstring. Cortland Sutton with his shoulder. And then Chris Godwin is in concussion protocol. So those are not only five great receivers, but five guys who could be legitimate wide receiver ones. Anyone in this group, Derek, that you are more concerned with than the other four? Yeah, Chris Godwin, um, you know, because of, of the concussion, uh, I think would be the one I'm most concerned about. I mean, I think with Galladay, it's progress because he missed the game against the Bears, right. came back. That's a step forward. Sutton, I, I think we're still worried about range of motion and things. Even once he does come back, that's not going to go away. You know, I think Parker's kind of in the Galladay bucket, and Julio I'm not worried about at all. It's so early in the week that it's typical for Julio not to be uh, fully practicing on a Wednesday, but I think it all comes back to the George Foreman grill episode of The Office when Michael Scott asks a doctor, what's more serious, a foot injury or a head injury? And the doctor confidently tells him a head injury. I think that's where uh, my my faith lies, I guess, that the, the head injury is worse than the, the leg injury or the shoulder injury uh, every single time. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll hope that it's all good news for these guys. And I think you nailed it exactly with how you said good news for Galladay. He's trending in the right direction. Devontae Parker also sounds like he's trending in the right direction. Julio Jones, this is just standard at this point 
of his career. Cortland Sutton, we were thinking week two was probably a little optimistic anyways. So that's what we're looking at with these receivers. We'll be tracking these injuries over the next couple of days, leading you right up to Sunday. We've got a few more things to talk about, but first a word from our sponsors. This is the Athletics Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, Derek, we talked about Miles Sanders in yesterday's show. We're going to talk about him in this show as well. He is on track to play Sunday. We already had a pretty good feeling that he was going to be able to get back on the field in week two for the Eagles after suffering that hamstring injury with a couple of weeks to go before the start of the season. Missed week one, but all signs point to him making his 2020 debut on Sunday against the Rams. We already talked about Boston Scott on yesterday's episode, but let's just check in on him really quickly. Now that we have a good feeling that Sanders is going to play, where's your confidence level with Boston Scott? He's a lottery ticket in case Sanders has a setback. He's not a guy that I'd put in my lineups for week two. I don't think he has enough of a role in the Eagles offense when Miles Sanders is healthy to be playable really in any format. Anyone else on this uh, offense affected? We know that Zach Ertz is going to be Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard had a monster week one. Eight grabs, nine targets, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Are you less excited about playing him with Miles Sanders coming back? I, for one, am not. I think he is a tight end one sort of guy for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the tight end situation rides entirely on the health of Alshon Jeffrey, and he did not practice on Wednesday, so he's kind of tracking toward not playing again week two. We'll know more, of course, later in the week. But when you look at Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager and Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, like there, there's reason to get excited about the younger options there, but there's no proof that the Eagles are going to rely heavily on them. So I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets almost indefinitely. So it, at least until Jeffrey is healthy, I'm pretty comfortable with Dallas Goddard being a fixture in my lineups. Dallas Goddard had a nice game. TJ Hawkinson uh, got found the end zone. Noah Fant had 86 yards and a touchdown. Johnny Smith found the end zone. If you invested in that group of tight ends, you more often than not felt pretty good about what your guy gave you in week one, no matter who it was. But Dallas Goddard, maybe along with TJ Hawkinson, is the one guy or two guys from that group who I think can be week in, 
week out regular starters that you rely on. It's not going to be as good as it was in week one every single week, but if you are just going to stick with one tight end, I think those guys are more realistic options than Johnny Smith and even than Noah Fant, who had a great game, but of course did it with one of the big, big options in his offense, Cortland Sutton sideline. When Sutton comes back, gotta believe at least a little of that volume is siphoned away from Noah Fant. We've got some Titans wide wide receiver injuries to discuss. A.J. Brown was limited in practice on Wednesday because of a knee issue. Corey Davis had no practice because of a hamstring. For the time being, we're not going to get into it farther than that. Obviously, these guys played on Monday night, so this Wednesday practice is a Sunday team's Tuesday practice, so we can just say that this is uh, the team giving them one more day. If they're still not practicing Thursday or still limited Thursday, Friday, then we start to get a little bit concerned. But for the time being, we're feeling okay about A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. John Brown did not practice on Wednesday because of a foot injury. Bills are playing at Miami in week two. Uh, Maybe this gives Steph Diggs a bump if John Brown's unable to go, but uh, you are already playing Steph Diggs anyway. Is there any love for Cole Beasley? I think it would have to be full PPR and even there a deep league, but let's say Brown doesn't play. Where could you see yourself being interested in starting Cole Beasley? Yeah, I think it's any league where you got to start three receivers where you're getting a full point for every catch. That's sort of the the sweet spot for Cole Beasley, and it has to be a scenario where Brown is inactive. If Brown's active, I don't think this matchup is one that I like enough for the Buffalo passing game. I think it's going to be a great week for both running backs. I think we could see good games from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in this setup because the Bills, I think, are a lot better than the Dolphins. I think they're going to be running the ball a ton in the second half of this matchup. Five-and-a-half-point favorites at the time of this recording is Buffalo in Miami in Week 2. Gerald Everett dealing with a back injury. Sean McVay says he'll be good to go, but uh, we know what Tyler Higby was able to do with Gerald Everett out of the lineup last season. That's what made Tyler Higby an easy top-10 tight end during draft season. Last week, just three catches on four targets for 40 yards. If Everett is out, perhaps Higby gets a little bit more work against the Eagles on Sunday, but uh, you're playing Higby no matter what, so we'll keep an eye on Gerald Everett, but with him, without him, Tyler Higby is going to be in your lineup. Let's get one more big story in here, Derek. It's actually one big story that contains two sub-stories, Atlanta and Dallas getting together this weekend. This should be a very explosive game, over-under of 52.5. This Atlanta offense showed up in a big way last week against Seattle. The defense did not show up in any way, so think we could see a very high scoring game between these two teams I want to start on Dallas's side with CeeDee Lamb had an 82% snap rate last week in his NFL debut translated into six targets and five catches we know what Atlanta's defense didn't do against Seattle last week Russell Wilson had himself a big game DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett both going north of 90 yards is there room for all three Dallas receivers to be starters in the fantasy world this week I think in a matchup like this, yeah, because the over-unders moved from 50 to 52 and a half already. It's supposed to be a close game. Dallas is at home, and the Atlanta defense looks putrid. So it ticks all the boxes. Plus, of course, the injury to Blake Jarwin opens up a few targets as well. I think they go to their tight ends a bit less now that he is out of the picture in Dallas. I would expect this is going to be maybe the most popular game that is stacked in DFS (laughs) in Week 2, right? I mean, you look around at all the totals elsewhere, you don't see... Many other numbers in this range. The only other one is a late afternoon game. That Ravens-Texans matchup opened at 54.5, down to 51.5, and that one's slightly more lopsided with uh, the Ravens being favored by a touchdown in that matchup. So I would expect these players uh, in this Falcons-Cowboys match to be heavily used in season long, but also in DFS as well, and for good reason. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. And if anyone out there rides with CeeDee Lamb, I will be doing it with you. I am starting CeeDee Lamb in a league over both Jarvis Landry tonight and Marvin Jones uh, on Sunday with the Lions taking on the Packers. I feel that good about this Dallas offense against Atlanta that I'm comfortable starting their third wide receiver over Marvin Jones, even if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, and over Jarvis Landry. On the other side of the ball for Dallas, Sean Lee and Leighton Vanderesh both suffered injuries in week one. That is going to have them out for six weeks. We know what Atlanta's offense did against Seattle a week ago. You're starting pretty much every Falcon, right? There's really not a ton of decisions to make with the Falcons. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, Hayden Hurst. If you have him, you're almost for sure starting him, even if he's just a fringy tight end one. But what about Russell Gage? Can he do what he did again last week? Nine grabs, 114 yards. Is he a viable starter in week two? I think Gage is a bit like Cole Beasley in terms of his function. And I don't always trust players with that role week in and week out. I think it does come down to having either a bad defense or shootout potential because the opposing team can score. And obviously both could be true again this week. So I don't have a, a high expectation for Gage every single week going forward, but I do think he's catching another really good matchup because Atlanta's going to have to throw just to keep pace with the Dallas offense. I, I think it, if I'm looking at him compared straight up to Beasley, I prefer Gage because of the game mm-hmm. script. Uh, I think broadly speaking, he's probably a top 35, top 40 receiver this week, maybe a little more in a full PPR format. Yeah, it should be a game that delivers. So often we've been let down by games where you're expecting fireworks, but with the Atlanta defense and what what they have on offense, with what Dallas has on offense and missing you know two of their best players, arguably their very best defensive player in Leighton Vander Esch, uh, this game should not disappoint on Sunday. So if you've got a piece of either of these teams, you want that piece in your lineup this weekend. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, go ahead and get yourself subscribed for just $1 a month at theathletic.com slash football in 15 for Derek Van Riper I am Michael Beller fantasy football in 15 we'll be back with you tomorrow until then thanks for listening have a great day and enjoy the game tonight